Hallelujah, hallelujah. What a blessing, what a joy, what a privilege to worship the Lord together. Welcome once again here at Highland Church and around the world. As we turn our attention to the word of the Lord, Pastor Subash is coming to share the message God has placed upon his heart, coming out of the desert. Father, we just thank you this moment that we can gather here to worship you, to praise you, to exalt you. We've come, O oh God, to receive from you, and we've come to give you praise and give you, O oh God, that is the very things that you have given us, a portion. Bless your people, O oh God, precious ones that are here, and those that are watching, continue to strengthen and be with them. And we give you thanks, and we give you praise in Jesus Christ our Lord. Bless your people, heal your people, as I sent for the word. According to Psalm 107, verse 20, to heal the sick, to revive, O oh God, precious people. And Father, we just pray, bring home the backsliders, save the lost. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. Let me just say it's a great opportunity that we can gather to get together. We had some wonderful Wednesday nights, uh, particularly with the instructors from the Bible College. Of course, we have one, uh, basically, Florence Jenkins. We really, she's based in um, Maryland, and uh, it would be impossible for her to make it here. But let me just say this, there are five courses, and you would love to be in any one of them. So it's just a great opportunity. So coming back again, I just want to mention particularly the subject that I would be doing today and probably, God willing, because I won't be able to finish this uh, Wednesday, but also next Wednesday, and then it would be about wilderness. And then coming out of the wilderness, and then I would be taking something that would be very important, coming out of our den, wherever we are stuck in, it's time to come out. The reason for this message is simply because in the wilderness, we are either going into a wilderness, we're coming out of a wilderness, or we are right in the center of a wilderness. For all of us, and particularly here in the Western Hemisphere, thanks be to God, we're coming out. A large number have gone back to the workforce, particularly our children have gone back to schools. It's been a while, and thank God for that. And kids have gone back to college, and things are not normal, but probably near normal. These moments have been most challenging, so even as people are slowly coming out, I'm going to encourage them to come and to be blessed and to be able to gather together, uh, as uh, the Bible tells us, and assembling of ourselves. And we need to know that the coming of the Lord is very near. When I talk about the wilderness, I want you to understand it's a very important, very, very important subject. There's something that we cannot avoid. It's part of our existence here. In fact, we are in one wilderness or the other, and you can define it in many ways. It could be hot, it could be cold, it could be solitude, it could be just something that just lonely and sometimes very difficult. Some have come out of the wilderness with tremendous strength and again uh, restored and revived. And others have come out of the wilderness totally torn, broken up, very hurt and very unthankful because it has been very difficult for them. 
But I want you to understand, when you took a, look at the geographical effect of the world, it's sort of uh, the natural, so the spiritual, and the spiritual, so the natural, for Corinthians chapter 15, reminds us. Let me just say a very important thing is, I read somewhere something about our world. 70% of our world is basically sea. Um, and then, out of that, 30%, one-third of what is remaining, literally is covered with basically um, deserts and mountainous terrain, and particularly in terms of wilderness and deserts. And then again, it would be glaciers and ice land in the Ar uh, Arctica. So we need to understand, when you look at that 30% that is uh, there, 80% of it really is uh, not habitable, so just about 20%. When you look at that again, think about it, there are countries in the world that almost uh, tells us a little bit. Saudi Arabia is a big place, unlike America, and yet only uh, 20 or less than 20% is inhabitable, although they have made a great uh, uh, basically gain in this, but 80 plus percent of the land lies vacant. That therein lies the problem. There's a lot of problem. Uh, situations right there, uh, Somalia and Sudan and most of the Palestinians could be certainly taken care of by the Saudis. Of course, they wait like everybody else there, that America would open its door, UK will open the door, Germany will open the door. But the oil-rich countries very seldom open their doors. Uh, in fact, you really cannot live there. 80%, only 20% is habitable, and yet 80% can be used. Now, thinking about it, I may be mistaken, knowing that I have um, people from the Caribbean, especially Ghana, I understand many years ago, we happened to go to Puerto Rico and went down to see the rainforest. And uh, a very precious family, I'm not naming them, they are very precious, and they were standing, they were amazed. In fact, uh, that moment in time, the rainforest was completely destroyed because of a hurricane, and we did not see any animals. We did see something like a clay type of a thing. It's very different now, but we just came after the storm. So we were looking out, and uh, the folks from Ghana said, oh my God, it's great, the waterfall. And I turned around and said, did you know that you have great waterfalls? She said, really? And that is the sad situation. Some 80-plus percent of the uh, people in Guyana have not traveled to the length and breadth of their country. It is a huge place, and there is about 80 percent that is inhabitable. And yet it is amazing. It is uh, it's, uh, wild, and yet it is beautiful. In fact, right now they are doing tourism. But it is sometimes pleasant and sometimes unpleasant. So when you look at the geography, 80% and 20%, so much is what we in our spiritual world go through, or natural world or emotional world go through. Believe it or not, until we reach heaven, 80% of our time is coming out of a storm, going through a storm, and just in case you think the pandemic is over, I hate to say this, something else, a different variant will come. It may be not just sickness or virus, it could be anything. Uh, it could be drastic attack in some way or the other across the world. We've gone from, you know, somebody prophesied saying there would be a great uh, meltdown. After he wrote the book, there has been up and down. So what exactly is he saying? Anybody can predict there's going to be a great uh, meltdown or a great, uh, basically, prosperity. 
The world has gone through ups and downs. Nobody can predict. But one thing we know, that uh, things will happen, economic crisis, health crisis, uh, and all of these things happen. So 80% of our time is trying to basically find out why we are in this mess, and 20% uh, of the time we're happy about things happening. But I want us to understand, uh, in all of this, just like in the, the terrain, like the globe, we need to understand there's as a connection with each one of us. Uh, there's no one who's exempt from, from what would be a wilderness. Uh, when I look through the Bible, incredible, the amount of, uh, particularly in the concordance, the amount of uh, a number of times the word wilderness appears in the Old Testament and New Testament is amazing. It looks like that and the desert is very important. So desert is something that happens in our life. Wilderness is something that happens in our life, and whether we know it or not, uh, it's, we need to understand, while the experience can be tough, many a times, God allows us to go through it. The Holy Spirit drives us in. There are times we fall into a desert sometimes because of the mistake of others, and many a times it is because of a corporate decision and collateral damages take place in a wilderness. However, I want you to understand, we learn a lot from the wilderness. Something that we need to understand is wilderness teaches us is the greatest teacher experience is. And there isn't a single person in the Bible that I've been used that have not gone through literally a wilderness, a desert. Let me just say this, Abraham went through, but what you find in a larger measure is Moses and then the children of Israel Joshua, and think about King David. Uh, he was chased in the wilderness after a great prophecy, and so too Joseph had a great prophecy, and then into the wilderness. Why? Because it's a teaching, teachable moment. It helps us to articulate or define in our life what this would be that God spoke to us, comes out in practice. When you think about uh, Elijah, he too went through a wilderness and a desert. But there's something I want you to understand. In these moments of wilderness, these precious people, it is in the deserts of their life they have learned to hear from God. They have learned to depend upon God. They have learned to trust in God. They have learned to love the Lord even more because experience has been a great teacher. We have gone through a pandemic and we are still going through, but you know, it's not been pleasant. Uh, I wouldn't say it is. People have lost lives. People have lost their job. People have lost so much. And I'll be talking about how difficult it is. But in the midst of all of this, I can tell you from experience, uh, one of the members of our staff, I cannot believe uh, the incredible um, suffering and the pain that she had to endure. And yet what, uh, what is so amazing is the joy of the Lord, the way she ministers. Wilderness or desert doesn't stop the true child of God. We need to realize that uh, there's something about wilderness, it welcomes us. Uh, that is what wilderness does. Uh, uh, and so many people who have gone through the wilderness literally have found so much. It's like going into, into the crust of the earth and finding gold and diamond and come out spiritually, emotionally, physically, and in many ways even economically richer. I want you to realize when you think about David, most of his psalms were written not in a five-star hotel overlooking the sea. 
It was in the heart of a desert. It was in the heart of wilderness. Elisha heard from God, uh, and particularly in the most troubling time, after a great victory, when he had seen the nation come back to God, and it was a momentous victory, and then followed by a running into the wilderness to the point of utter despondency and frustration and desperation. And he was so... Um, what would be totally and completely depressed. And that is what um, Elijah went through, a mighty, mighty prophet of God. And yet God had to speak to him, and he heard the voice of God. When you think about it, Paul, in the book of Galatians, says it was in the deserts of Arabia that as he spent time in solitude, and again from Tarsus, where he was called by uh, his associate much later. Uh, what's amazing is he talks about visions and he says, I will not boast, but there was a man. He's talking about himself. And these were times in the desert. It was time in the wilderness. It was time in those moments up in those mountainous terrain or in that icy place or wherever it is. It was in those places that he had the greatest revelation. When you think about this, what you find in the book of Isaiah is it is literally in, an invitation for us to see this desert. In fact, when you turn to the book of Isaiah and chapter 35, the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad. Oh, they are very glad. They are very glad that for you to come, for them and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. So this is what happens. You begin to come in, and it is hard to believe it's not in the natural we think, and yet it says she shall rejoice, uh, the, the, and shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. I will be dealing with this, God willing, next Wednesday. But I want you to understand where it closes for all of us who are coming out. We've come out a while now, but for those who are coming out, we've experienced this amazingly. And it says towards the end in, of chapter 35 and verse 10, and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs, and a lasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return. My friend, you're redeemed, and if you're redeemed of the Lord, say so, say amen. And this is what Psalm 107 says. But you should return to the presence of God. Return back to the house of God. Return back to the call of God. Return back to all that God has called you. You cannot be there and say, okay, this is my word. It's a lonely feeling to make uh, the desert and the wilderness and your house a cabin uh, all enclosed in. It is dangerous. Deserts and wilderness are not for us, for, uh, for it's only a station, a water station. It's just the train has to move on. You do not put your tent there and say, I'm living forever, then something is wrong. You need a lot of spiritual deliverance or somebody to counsel you. This is, uh, a wilderness is not a permanent place. It's a passing through. We all go through that wilderness. But the redeemed of the Lord shall return, and they shall return with rejoicing. And that is what it says. But the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, and verse 2 is powerful. Thus says the Lord, The people which were left of the sword found grace in the wilderness, even Israel, 
when I went to cause him to rest. So here, God is saying, the people which were left with the sword, they would have been died, they would have been destroyed, there was total anarchy and destruction, uh, whether it be in the natural sword, or whether it be in terms of the virus, whether it be in terms of economic crisis, whether in terms of relationship, and yet God says, they found grace in the wilderness. Found grace in the wilderness? Oh, there's a lot of grace. We'll be talking about that God reaches out to his people in grace. You know, when after all the terrible tragedy, people have come out wonderful, even as we talk, we'll be talking about David, and we'll be talking about Elijah, we'll be talking about Joshua, we'll be talking about Paul. But then there were some who were so miserable, they came out literally upset and angry and gossipy and murmuring. And that's the children of Israel. I'll talk about it today, but towards the end, God is saying in Hosea chapter 2 verse 14, he's going to make a doorway in that wilderness and allure them into that desert to tell them how much he loves them. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably with her. So let me read this again in Jeremiah chapter, chapter 31. Thus saith the Lord, the people which were left of the sword found grace in the wilderness. Even Israel, when I went to cause earth to rest, the Lord has appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you unto myself. It's been tough. None of us will testify and say the pandemic is good. None of us will testify and say all that people have gone through is good. No, but I'm going to tell you, people will say that is where in that moment of crisis, in the moment of my deserts or wilderness, I found the Lord who appeared at all said unto me, yes, I've loved you with an everlasting love. With loving kindness, I've drawn you unto myself. So it is in the wilderness that <clears throat> we find uh, that we could lean more on God, we could learn more of, of Him, and we could love Him even more. Very important, very important lessons. I would be talking about a couple of people, but if you were to go into the Bible, let's begin in the New Testament, we would talk about John the Baptist, a very interesting man. When you think about this as a young man and listen to how this man's ministry was molded by the desert. Literally, he was a desert man. Literally, he was a man of the wilderness. And his speech was that type as well. But when you turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 80, I want you to particularly look at a couple of words in this verse. And the child grew. That is, he grew emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally, spiritually, all of this, and was waxed strong in the spirit and was in the desert until the day of his showing unto Israel. So you're going to find he grew, and what is so remarkable, waxed strong in the spirit. I want to remind you, wilderness brings something in your spirit and I would tell you the principle that Jesus was led of the Holy Spirit. Vax strong in the Spirit. Though the natural man would be worn out and tired, the spirit man is actually strengthened, waxed strong, waxed strong in the Spirit. 
very important. So I want to remind you, no matter what you're going through, this is a time of a spiritual revival, a spiritual renewal, a spiritual reformation. That is one very important reason why God has allowed you, or God basically is using you in spite of the fact you have gone into it, or somebody has thrown you into it, or maybe it is a collateral damage, and you are part of the number of people that are suffering, no fault of yours. But then so many times God brings you and allures you and draws you so he can speak that love of comfort. I heard a testimony of a man who was a very famous car maker. This uh, name of the car is uh, named after him. Very, very famous man. I've really uh, heard a lot about him and his car. But there was a time he came to the church and he testified and he said while he had all the money, he was sinking down in sin. And he basically wasn't happy. He had divorces, he had problems, he had a whole lot of health issues, he had a lot of pain and trouble and rivalries and all of that. There was no peace in or peace out. And then he lost it all. He was in the wilderness, he said. And that is the moment he found the Lord. That is the moment for the first time he began to hear the word of God. He never came from a Christian background. But that was the moment he came and was empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. This was way back during my predecessor's time. But I still remember vividly his message on what and how he came about to be a strong Christian that loves God and loves fellow men. It is in a desert experience, a wilderness experience, very powerful. I want to remind you there's something about this uh, John the Baptist. He grew waxed. And then when you go back to that chapter 1 of Luke and verse uh, 80, listen to what it says, till the day of a showing unto Israel. You're coming out of pandemic. Are you basically full of complaint and murmuring and griping and, and uh, gossiping? No. Here is John the Baptist being prepared by God. And the Bible says, till the showing forth unto Israel. There is a reason why you are locked up in the desert. There's a reason why you are put there, stationed there, or passing through the desert for a moment. Simply when the day of showing forth to the world, showing forth to the church. God is gifting you, God is changing you, God is moving you, God is shaping you, and God is putting you in this position so he could take out the earthly and put the heavenly. Things begin to change inside, big things begin to change outward. And what you find is when John the Baptist showed himself you could find evident this ministry, the fact that he knew the word, the fact that he could speak and people would listen, people would repent because all of this was learned in the desert, in the wilderness of his life until the showing forth unto Israel. You are being prepared for a season so you would be shown forth and when you come out, you would be Amazingly, what David went through through his wilderness, and he comes out shining. Every one of God's people have gone through a wilderness, and you are maybe right in the midst of it, or you're coming out of it. It's no accident. But understand, as you say, oh God, get me out of this wilderness, if that's your daily prayer, change it to God, help me to learn 
why I'm in the desert and why the reason, because there is a showing forth, I don't want to fail. I want to be successful in my ministry. No COVID is going to stop me. No crisis is going to stop me. No whatever the world will throw at me will stop me because you are with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You will never leave me nor forsake me. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and verse 6. I want you to listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 1, uh, chapter 3 and verse 1. Focus in that important passage. It says, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. He's now showing forth. In the case of John the Baptist, he was a preacher. But in your case, when you come out of the wilderness and in the wilderness, you are maybe praying. Maybe it's your ministry is being refined. Your ministry is going through that fire and crucible of fire. You're being set on fire and God is molding and taking away all the dross and bringing you refined better than the finest gold. Here it says, in those days came, in these days, put your name there, preaching, praying, seeking out. Oh, I just thank God for this sister Naomi Reed and the amazing aspect of, of we lost a precious saint during the pandemic, Sister Gladys, Frederick, and um, what a terrible loss it was. But I'm going to say this, it was like not missing a beat. The very moment her assistant took over, and my God, we miss Sister Gladys, Frederick. But it was like nothing really, the, without losing a second, Naomi Reed just was there and doing what she was supposed to do, calling up the seniors all through the pandemic, even right now. That's not the only thing. She keeps in touch with me. She keeps in touch with my office. She gives us information of who we need to pray, who is in the hospital. What a powerful soul. Not in those days. In these days, Naomi Reed comes preaching, comes seeking, comes calling with a concern for seniors. And I just thank God for in the most difficult time. We had Jennifer basically coming in and reaching out to those precious people, that, uh, that young people with a heart to ministry. I cannot tell you something very, that was very touching. In the most difficult of time, if you noticed, we never missed a beat when it came to reaching out, uh, whether it's the outreach. In fact, uh, Sister Sherry Wyatt called me up and said, don't you think we should be doing this Wednesday? You know, before the pandemic, we never had this outreach on a Wednesday. It was in a chapel. It was basically a Wednesday service, but never aired like we do on Sunday. But we began that without missing a beat. She's always been there editing it, making sure everything. I thank God for the showing forth a time in the wilderness. It says in those days came John the Baptist preaching the Bible says in the wilderness, preaching, ministering, connecting, whether it is basically being there, making sure the place is clean, Brother Gumin and Angelo, and people that man the lighting system, the sound system, all of them are like this. It says, in these days, in the most difficult time, 
that are John the Baptist here in Highland Church as well as all across the church doing what they're called to do in the case of John the Baptist preaching in your case it may be something a solitary work only you can do it but doing that in the time of wilderness sure there are what would be limitations we cannot go in we cannot touch people that doesn't keep us from stopping the work of God I see evangelist Marie Santiago still going out still doing what she's called to do as a soul winner it's so important I want you to understand wilderness makes people wilderness defines people wilderness brings out not only in the wilderness even out of the wilderness no wonder John the Baptist was loved by the Lord John the Baptist is an intertestamental prophet of the Old Testament make his, making his way in the New Testament there's no one like that in the New Testament he belongs of the old and yet he enters into the new and what an amazing prophet shaped and defined and in the crucible of fire comes out of the wilderness, comes out of the desert. Would you? That's what God is doing. But there's no greater example than our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to understand the most amazing aspect of his life. Wilderness is very much part. The deserts are very much part of his life. There was a book many years ago when I was a young lad in school, maybe in the third grade or fourth grade, my grandfather gave me a book called Streams in the Desert. And uh, I used to read a little bit of it, but as I grew up, uh, when I came to the high school, this book meant so much to me. It had got a lot of scribbling. But it was like an amazing thing. Then it happened to be, I met a great journalist uh, at that time in a big magazine in India. He's a Sikh. And he happened to say openly the thing that the book that has kept him. Now, this is not a Christian. He says, he said, it's a book called Streams in the Desert. And he says, you cannot believe how much I was blessed by it. So many people have read that book. But God will bring streams in the desert, in the wilderness. He is able to feed and put a table in the wilderness. I'll talk about that. But when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, none other than our Lord, whom Yahweh sent, and yet the Bible tells us, literally, he was pushed into the desert. When you turn to Luke chapter 3, Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, listen to what it says about our Lord Jesus. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was driven one of the translations says, was led, was pushed by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Oh, what an amazing. You can find the caliber of our Lord seated in the temple at the age of 12, reasoning and talking with the learned men of the scriptures. They were alarmed. They were, sh they were amazed that such knowledge, my friend, it didn't come automatically. Yes, he's the son of God, and yet he learned through experience, everything that as a, as a perfect 100% uh, human being could ever go through. And the word was very important. And in the wilderness, the word becomes very evident. Even when the word was thrown, and you can always hear word being thrown, 
the word of God being thrown by the devil. And you can always find the apostles using scriptures for personal gain, for something that they need, for something that they want to burden you with. But Jesus spoke the word the way it should have been interpreted from the heart of the Father. The word to him was very important. So he says, it says, he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. I'll talk about Moses. He was not driven. He actually jumped in there because he has to run as fast as his feet could touch him for the blunder, for the murder of an Egyptian, which was not idea, not God's plan. You could have X'd him out, but God did not. Because you know what? God gives you a period. Forty years in this man's case, and what a powerful man. God is able to train you, make you, even though you've fallen into by your own mistake, whether it's a financial crisis, whether it is some other mess, but God is not giving up on you if you are pliable and you're sensitive and you're so open to his voice and to his hands. It's so important. When you turn to Luke chapter 4, in that same chapter, verses 40, 41, and 42, is very powerful. It says, now when the sun was setting, all that had sick with diverse disease brought them to Jesus, and he laid his hands on every one of them, and he healed them. In verse 41, it goes, the devil also came out of many crying out, saying, thou art the Christ, the Son of God, and he rebuked them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. Now, I want you to listen to what it says in verse 42. It says here, when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. And why would he do that? Now, it's not the spirit driving him. It is he himself, is of his own volition, is going to a desert place. It is what defines the Lord. You find that solitary place, just like it was with Moses or Joshua, just like it was with David or Elijah, or like Paul, much after that, after the Lord, he learned it from the Lord. And he, the people sought him and came to him, and he stayed him, and that he would not depart from them. No, he had determined. Desert was part of his life. The wilderness was part of his life. There's so much that you can learn. And even Jesus learn from those experiences. I believe it is in um, probably Luke chapter 5 and verse 15 and 16 most likely. It says, and so much the fame, uh, there's another passage which goes on to say, he was there in the wilderness early in the morning. But listen to what it says in Mark chapter 6. And verse 31 is another passage that, like Luke, goes on to say, and he said, come you yourself apart into a desert place. What? Come you apart. If you don't, you will fall apart. Come and rest a while, for there are many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Those are very important in the momentums of our times, in the rhythms of our life. And like I said, Desert is an important uh, part of the, of the earth system, and it sort of balances up with everything else, with the, with the sea, with the icy uh, glaciers, with all the thing, everything combined with the 30 person, and out of that 30 person, only 
80 percent, uh, only 20 percent can be regained to be able to bless. A lot can happen if we do not appreciate the desert. You're going to find it's going to hit you so bad that you have no idea what hit you. But if you realize it becomes a moment of learning experience, a moment of what would be hearing experience of the Lord, a moment of what would be led by God for a greater momentum, a greater ministry, you begin to appreciate everything that comes in terms of desert or in terms of the wilderness. When you think about the Lord Jesus, isn't it amazing? It's, amazing? it's wonderful when you look at what he goes through, and we'll do a little bit about our Lord because it becomes very important for us. You look at the life of Moses. It seems that this man, the later part of his life, was really trained in the desert. For 40 years, he trained to be a prince. For 40 years, he was a commander-in-chief in Egypt. But it meant nothing in the kingdom of God. It meant nothing in the everlasting realm when everything else is done and finished. But I want you to know, God put him in a place where he did a great blunder, and yet God reached out to him, and that 40 years in the wilderness was the training ground. It was where he met his wife. It was where he met his uh, Jethro, the father-in-law. But it was where he met the Lord. Let's just turn to Exodus chapter 2 and verse 15. It tells us, now Pharaoh, when he heard this, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelled in the land of Midan, which is basically a desert. And he sat by a well. What it says is the man had to run because he thought on his own and of his own because he had a passion. It was not a heavenly passion. It was a human passion, anger. And all of that should not be basically uh, meant to be spiritual. Some people work out with such anger on their speech. You almost think the Holy Spirit, the man is plain angry. You adulterers, you uh, idiots and all of that, he says, most likely he's speaking of himself. So he's so angry on the pulpit, they call it revival. No, the man is angry. Here in the case, it was not God. It was Moses in a fit of rage. Oh yes, he was zealous. But there are people who are zealous called fanatics. They are fan of uh, one thing or the other. And they say they are doing God a great favor. I.S. is simply one of those. And you find extremities in all religion. They go right off the bat. And he killed a man, an Egyptian. And God doesn't say he hates Egyptian. But here is a man who took upon himself to take vengeance. And this was of the flesh. It was not of the spirit. So the Bible says he dwelt in the land of Midian. Because hey, he had to. Pharaoh is hunting for him. So all that dramatic, dramatically changed. A big guy is now running away, and he, who was somebody in the palace of Pharaoh, who was somebody in Egypt, became literally a nobody. And in the wilderness, he was a nobody. Everything that he learned for 40 years went down the drain. He couldn't even speak because all he was speaking for 40 years was the, shep the sheep of his father-in-law, Jethro. 
he had lost the art of speaking. An influential man, God had to do it for him because he would say, it's me, it's my speech, it's the way I do things. God had to empty himself so he would be bent and I would be reshaped into see Christ in me, the hope of glory. What I like about this man is when you turn to chapter 3 and verse 1, look what it says here. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro. Hold it. This is a big man. He's a big, important person. People kept things for him. He could say, go, they went running. He doesn't keep things for anybody. But he had humbled himself, but not just anything, the flock of Jethro. The flock of Jethro is where he learned to lead the flock of God. Did you understand? God transfers his faithfulness in reaching out and make him the leader of the flock of God. And it says, and he led the flock on the backside of the desert. Think with me. It is in the backside, not even the front side. It is in the worst desert wilderness he learned leadership. Excuse me, he learned that in Egypt. All that came to nothing. When you do the things of God, what's the guys who basically do the uh, DJs? Yeah, sometimes you find DJs in the, in the church. Same flesh, same in the church. God doesn't want that talent of a DJ. God wants you to be a spokesman for God, for his people. What you find in this, he had lost the glitter and the gold. He had lost the art. He'd lost that what would be how to win friends and influence like Dale Carnegie. Those are men for the world. But here is how to win God. Like Paul said, I might win him and I might learn of him. What you find is he led the flock to the backside. That is how he learned to lead his people even in the worst of the time of the desert, the backside of the wilderness. Where did he learn that skill? You can learn the best in the great colleges of the world, but that can only be learned. Like Joseph, how he became such a successful man was in the wilderness of the prison. And you would say, oh my God, at that point when I was going through that, I was just angry. Looking back in hindsight, you're saying, thank God this happened. Otherwise, I would have never known about God or the plans of God or the greatness of God or the word of God. He led the flock to the back side of the desert. And I want you to understand a little more what it says. And came to the mountain of God. Didn't you hear the word backside of the desert? They say God-forsaken place. You may be in a God-forsaken place, you're saying. The devil is saying. Your friends are saying. Actually, it's a doorway to the mountain of God. Did you hear that? It is the backside of the desert. The worst side of the desert. The worst side of the mountain. It's a mountain that you don't want to be in. And came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. It was there for the first time in his life.
Oh yeah, he's Hebrew. But he had articulated and was everything but a Hebrew. He was Egyptian at his finest. He was what you call the all-Egyptian boy. Nothing of Hebrew. But for the first time in his life, he heard Moses, Moses. Never heard his name called from above. Moses, Moses, take off your shoes. The ground you stand. What ground? The backside of the desert becomes the mountain of God. What is so incredible is this man Moses with nothing. Everything that he had was his father-in-law's. The shirt on his back may be his, but then there was a rod. It was called the rod of Moses. Every shepherd has a rod. When he came to nothingness, God says, what's in your hand? There's no gold. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. He had no silver. He had no gold. The cattle does not belong to him. He's taking care of his father-in-law's but he did have a crusty, old, dead, dry stick. And God said to him, this is the, the greatest treasure that you learn in the wilderness. Some of the great ministries, some of the great businesses, some of the great technology, some of the greatest breakthroughs have come with just nothing except maybe an idea, maybe just a seed, maybe just something that someone had given, a gift, a talent. Moses, what's in your hand? It's in the thick of the wilderness. He met with God. And his ministry came to be the greatest leader in the Old Testament. If you think about this man, in Matthew chapter 17, you find Jesus Christ. And then comes to Moses and Elijah, we'll talk about them. Wilderness experience people, three. And Peter said, we need to build three more. And suddenly a voice from heaven saying, this, talking about Jesus, is my beloved son. The others went through, they met, they saw, they heard from Yeshua Messiah. But here is Moses, heard the call of God, and what is so interesting is Exodus chapter 2 and verse 18. You find this uh, word, it says, I'm sorry, verse 15. It Maybe it could be verse 15. Um, well, we went that, but let's go down to chapter. Uh, I'll come to that passage where basically God is telling Moses to go and, and speak to the Pharaoh. I think it's in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 2. This is a powerful image, and the angel appeared in behold the bush. Okay, it's something I'll do it next Sunday, next Wednesday, where God tells him, go and tell Pharaoh that you're taking the people into the wilderness. And what is so incredible, I think it's Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1, they're going to worship. So comes now into play the children of Israel. They are going to go through the same situation that Moses went through. Uh, I will send you unto Pharaoh, that thou may bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt, and then goes on to say, into the wilderness. 
what is so amazing is in the wilderness to worship the Lord. That is where his stop. That is where the laws come. That is where God begins to speak. That is where he begins to form what would be the beginning of a great nation, then followed by Joshua. Let me close with this. You are in the wilderness. You're coming out of the wilderness. What have you learned? And if you can appreciate this wilderness, you're going to say, there's a purpose for the wilderness. God is working in my life. He's shaping me. He's sculpturing me. He's doing everything. He's removing things that he doesn't want me to have. And he's putting into my life things that I need. God made Moses, David, Joshua, Paul, and God is making you. Embrace your desert, accept your desert, and say, thank you, Lord, for the deserts in my life. Bless your people, I pray. Be with them. Even in these times of wilderness, help us, O oh God, to learn and to study. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just give the Lord a clap offering. You know, I tell you that in the wilderness was the time in the pandemic that the Bible Institute began to be in a greater way. I want to encourage you, once again, as I started, the Bible College Basic Institute begins uh, this, this semester. It's going to be October the 24th all the way to December the 15th five courses and if in, if you're overseas you can do it it's free of course you may have to get the book for that and there's a way wherever you are could find that but uh, everything that you see is free here i recommend that you do it and if you're watching from the caribbean we caught somebody from asia and uh, we are going to get others as well so it's just not only just to the local body i want to encourage people around the world that are watching this program to be part of this and in your wilderness be prepared just where you are, no matter where, and be part of a program that will help you, teach you, train you. In Jesus' name, amen.